0: Welcome to What I Love About Sex, where some incredible guests and I, Steph Kanowski, will be bringing you the tools for improving your sex life with topics such as sex issues with your partner, sexual self-confidence, premature ejaculation, sexual shame, masturbation, sharing your fetishes, orgasmic pleasure, and more. Sex is still so taboo. And I personally believe that by improving our understanding and communication skills around sex, we can enhance our own self-pleasure as well as deepening our long-term romantic relationships. So listen in, try to stay open-minded, and let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on the What I Love About Sex podcast, So today we're talking about a book I'm reading by John Gottman. It's called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. (laughs) I keep forgetting the title. Okay. So this book so far is incredible. If you want to buy it, go to the description uh, of this podcast. I will link it so that you have the link right there. I'll put my affiliate link and you gotta read this book. You gotta read this book if you're single and don't yet have a partner. You gotta read this book if you have a partner and you're doing great with your partner. You have to read this book if you're uncertain, if you're failing with your partner. Whatever situation you're in, this book will help you understand relationships in a very emotionally intelligent way. There's He really breaks down the most important things that lead to a dis- destruction of a relationship and also the most important things, um, the seven principles that actually allow you to have a thriving, very healthy, satisfying relationship, and this is what leads to you having a a phenomenal sex life, like a sex life you really want. It has to come from these principles. So I'm not going to dive into all the principles today. You can read the book if you want to do that, but I'm I'm going to talk to you about the first principle and how it can help you save your relationship if you feel like it's failing and also how it can help you just improve your relationship even more. And uh, I'm definitely gonna do this exercise that I'm gonna tell you guys about with Andrew because you know you can you can always improve your relationship. I think way too many of us um, get in this place where we're like no, we're pretty good, we're good we're good right babe Yeah and it's like, it's based more on this assumption and this fear that like I don't wanna uncover anything that potentially may not be good. So let's just keep that under the rug and just say that we're great with each other Um, because there's always little things um, that you can learn more about your partner to help grow in attraction and desire and connection. And this is when sex becomes easy and and amazing when the more you understand your partner. So this is what... um, before I get into the first principle of making marriage work, I want to um, start off by saying that for those of you guys who just are in this place where you're like, I don't know um, if it's going to work. I don't know if we're in a dangerous place because most people do wait too long to get professional help for their marriage. Um, First, I want to just start by saying Uh, by telling you the four final stages that signal the death of a relationship. This is what John Gottman has in the book. Um, He says the first one out of the four is the couple see their marital problems as severe. Okay, so this means that you you both acknowledge the problems are really bad. Number two is talking things over seems useless. Partners try to solve problems on their own. So if this is you, you know, this is also a really bad sign. Talking things over, you just don't feel like you ever get anywhere and it just feels useless and you just try to do your own thing. The third one is the couple lead parallel lives. So this means you're just you're you're kind of living life without each other, meanwhile you're under the same roof physically, so it just feels like there's a tension or there's an awkwardness or a very obvious disconnect. And the fourth is loneliness sets in. So this is you being with someone physically, but feeling lonely at the same time. And this is what actually leads to infidelity, which is one of the main reasons for divorce. Infidelity is not, um, and I, sh- I should say like, uh, and what Gottman says too, is that infidelity is not the the thing that actually causes the divorce, it's the disconnection that happened that leads to the loneliness, that leads to infidelity because there's no discussion, there's no turning towards your partner and trying to figure out what's going on to fix the loneliness. So when you just carry on in that cycle of feeling um, like things aren't working and then feeling lonely and then having needs that need to be met, you're more likely to take action on doing something like have an affair, all right? And then that's usually the... the thing that breaks the camel's back. I forget. <laughs> I forget that saying. But you know what I mean? It's like the last straw, right? And uh money issues and infidelity are the two main reasons for divorce. And the divorce rate is over 50% at this point, which is kind of crazy. And it's probably more towards 80% realistically if you think about all of the the couples who stay together for the kids or stay together because they can't support themselves financially without one another, or the couples who stay together for religious reasons because they don't believe in divorce, right? The couples who um, maybe there's a person within the partnership that is afraid to leave because there's abuse within the relationship, right? So there's all these other um, reasons as to why people stay together when they're, when they're severely unhappy that we're not even counting as official divorce. Right? So it's kind of crazy that so many marriages are failing in this way. And I think it is because most people don't understand what's in this book and we're not taking action on it. And you're jumping into marriage so quickly, like it's nothing and not realizing that the honeymoon phase will eventually leave. It will dissolve just as it does with everyone. Um, Doesn't mean you can't feel fire and passion in your relationship at different times, but it's not gonna feel the same as when you initially had that spark of connection, whatever you wanna call it. So it's important to understand, all right, there's gonna be roadblocks, there's gonna be challenges, and we have to be open to handling these challenges together. And friendship is really the base of that. Um, Because if you don't have a a deep friendship, then you don't have a deep trust. And, um, and if you don't have a deep trust, you can't communicate in around the things that require, uh, a very vulnerable or specific or, um, you know, important communication. So, uh, all right. So getting into the book, um, I wanted to, to quote a few other things before, diving into the first principle, because Gottman says, you know, it's not over till it's over. So for those of you who feel like you're giving up, I want you to at least take this first principle and have an understanding that, and and read the book if you need to, but have an understanding that there are things you most likely did not try yet. And if you can try these things, you can save your marriage just as uh, Gottman clients have saved their marriage when they thought it was done. Um, Something else he says is after tracking the lives of happily married couples for as long as 20 years, I now know that the key to reviving or divorce proofing a relationship is not simply how you handle your disagreements, but how you engage with each other when you're not fighting. All right, so I know that I talk a lot about conflict and um, how important it is to be able to handle conflict together and whatnot. But when you're not in conflict, you can't just be blasé about your relationship. And then and, and I think this happens, what I mean by that is what I think happens with a lot of couples is they they have these arguments. And then when they're not arguing, there's not a lot of trust building or flirtation or connecting on the side. So then when there's another argument, it just feels so much heavier because the the points of connection are more around negative things happening like the arguing so you're you start losing trust in the person and in the relationship when this happens anyone would so what he says is bolstering your friendship is so critical in large part because it fuels the romance, passion, and great sex life we all hope marriage will provide. In fact, when a couple comes to me complaining that sex has become routine and or virtual, virtually non-existent, I don't start by handing them a sex manual. Instead, I guide them through the first three principles, and we're going to talk about principle one, so that they can reinforce and rediscover the camaraderie camarader- that brought them together in the first place. He's stressing the importance of friendship. And John Gottman, who, by the way, I should have introduced him before I started blah, 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 blah about him. But he is the the probably the top marriage researcher out there um, that we have in terms of actual studies he's done with partners in what he calls his love lab. Um, his love lab is a place where he designed like a home type of scene. And he observes couples live uh, live their lives or carry out conflicts. And he observes them and lets them know if they're going to get divorced or not in the future. And he has like a 90 something percent success rate and just because of what he studies in relationships that fall apart and relationships that stay together. So he has a very, very clear understanding through multiple, multiple studies that he's done in terms of what what made, what makes marriage work. Right. So friendship is something he really, really presses on because uh I, I think, you know, and I've talked about this before In my personal experiences and just we're we're taught that there should be sparks and we should feel butterflies when we meet the right person for us and we should be so infatuated with them and there should be this intense feeling of oh my god like I can't uh, I can't sleep without them I can't even uh," like (laughs) you know what I mean just kind of like over the moon kind of obsessed with them in a way and People feel this way about someone they don't really know and they they trust this feeling to guide them as a means of like, all right, this is my person and I should feel this way always with them. And that's totally incorrect because um, there are a lot of reasons you could be feeling those butterflies. I would say most of them are not reasons of um, that back up security, like an actual secure feeling. And Andrew actually has a really good way of explaining this. I really have to get him on the podcast for the next episode so he can explain his idea of the butterflies and the ups and downs um, that people get so attached to when it comes to finding their initial partner. I remember when um, Andrew and I started talking And before we were, we were like dating very casually at this point. And I remember saying to one of my, my girlfriends, yeah, but like everything's great. And he does what he says he's going to do. And he's, you know, he compliments me and we have so much fun together and the sex is great. And I love being around him and talking to him, but I'm not feeling the butterflies. I don't know. I'm just not feeling it. And her reaction was like, I don't know, if you're not feeling butterflies, he's probably not the one with like a slanty face. <laughs> and at the time I trusted her and I felt the same way. Like, And I had to really think about this because I had to look at my past relationships and understand how every one of those, uh, the more recent ones felt very, oh my God, I have butterflies about him and oh my God, he's amazing. But none of them felt stable. And I was not friends with any of, like I was not good friends with any of them. And there were always uncertainties in how they felt about me in certain ways. And I never felt like I was comfortable enough to address any topic with them. And I was like, all right, if that's the way I felt when I felt those like crazy butterflies and I I can connect these crazy butterfly feelings to those types of men, I don't think I want that. Because that has not worked for me so far. You know, I realized I just wasn't used to a stable relationship. I really didn't know what that actually felt like. And it wasn't until Andrew came in the picture where he specifically said to me, like, I'm not going to date you exclusively or seriously until we're best friends. And he didn't even say me. He was like, my next partner has to be my best friend. And I would like that to be you but if you don't want to nurture he didn't say nurture but like he's like if you don't want to like work on our friendship and prioritize that first then you know that's okay but that's what i'm looking for and you know we can move our separate ways if you're not wanting to do that and that was one of the biggest wake-up calls for me because it showed how much it made me curious like why is he so obsessed with friendship like i don't get it shouldn't it be about like romance and like, you know, you're my partner. I don't want to be like friends with you. I want to be your, your sexual partner. And I wasn't seeing it that like, you know, you could be both and you're more likely to be both when you have a deep connection with the person and when you have a deep rooted friendship because that opens you up to trusting that person more, to being able to talk about anything, to be respecting that person on a very deep level, to admire that person. And that's that's the, the base that can't be shaken and can't be broken um, when it comes to all these things that so many marriages fall apart for, is there's no base holding them stable. There's no... Um, there wasn't a sense of security really built into the relationship. So all of these things can come by and just sweep them away and and rock their relationship. So anyway, that's been, you know, my experience so far with that and, like, being with a partner who literally is my best friend, it, it really does feel like I can talk to him about anything. Like, anything. Even if I have, like, the smallest inkling that something may be wrong or off or like, and even sexually, like if, if we don't feel desired by each other, like we have no problem being like, Hey, like I, you know, lately I just haven't been feeling like you've been carrying like a sexual tension around me. Is that for a specific reason? Is that what, do you notice that, you know, we're able to have these conversations very nonchalantly, like it's no big deal because, because of our friendship. And we're also able to to goof off a lot and we're able to just really really understand each other so going into the first principle it has a lot to do with this understanding of each other and it's called enhance your love maps so principle one from john gottman on how to make marriage work is enhance your love maps so you're probably like what the fuck is a love map all right so here's what he says emotionally intelligent couples are intimately familiar with each other's world I call this having a richly detailed love map, my term for that part of your brain where you store all the relevant information about your partner's life. Another way of saying this is that these couples have made plenty of cognitive room for their marriage. Okay, so this idea of a love map is paying attention to who your partner is. And what they like, and how they feel about certain things, and knowing them so well, and actually being intentional about wanting to know them so well. This is something I had to, I had to learn how to do because, as I had mentioned, like my previous relationships, we didn't really know each other because we weren't friends. We weren't. We definitely weren't best friends. Some of the some of my ex partners were good, we were good friends. I probably had one like best friend partner when I was 19, but I was just so, so in a different world (laughs) of maturity. But yeah, so he says, without such a love map, you can't really know your spouse. And if you don't really know someone, how can you truly love them? All right, so we're going to go into a love maps questionnaire now because what Gottman says is the more you know and understand about each other, the easier it is to keep connected as life swirls around you, right? Like there's going to be things that, that kind of just rock you in life, as I mentioned before. And if you don't have a strong base within your relationship, those challenges can push you over and make things very difficult for the two of you. If you don't have a strong base of connection and um, this is why, like, if someone has like a health concern, or um, if you have a baby, I think what what he even says here is that one of the major causes of marital dissatisfaction and divorce is the birth of the first baby. Sixty seven percent of couples in our newlywed study underwent a presumptuous drop in marital satisfaction the first time they became parents, but the remaining 33% did not experience this decline. In fact, about half of them saw their marriages actually improve. So what separated the two groups? You guessed it, the couples whose marriages thrived after the birth had detailed love maps from the get-go. The more you know your partner and the more you try to keep learning about them and connect with them on a, in more of a friendship level, the, the less rocky your future life challenges will feel because you'll feel like you're on the same team and like you're both grounded in dealing with any anything comes at you. Um, you can handle it because you're a team and you're solid and you're together. All right, so I'm gonna read you a few statements and actually there's 20 statements. So as I read them, I want you to think if it's true or if it's false. you. Okay. Number one, I can name my partner's best friends. True or false. I can tell you what stresses my partner's currently facing. True or false. I know the names of some of the people who have been irritating my partner lately. True or false. I can tell you some of my partner's life dreams. True or false. I'm not going to say true or false anymore. Just think about it in your head. I am very familiar with my partner's religious beliefs and ideas. I can tell you about my partner's basic philosophy of life. I can list the relatives my partner likes the least. I know my partner's favorite music. I can list my partner's three favorite movies. My spouse is familiar with my current stresses. I know the three most special times in my partner's life. I can tell you the most stressful thing that happened to my partner as a child. I can list my partner's major aspirations and hopes in life. I know my partner's major current worries. My spouse knows who my friends are. I know what my partner would want to do if he or she suddenly won the lottery. I can tell you in detail my first impressions of my partner. Periodically, I ask my partner about his or her world right now. I feel that my partner knows me pretty well. My spouse is familiar with my hopes and admirations. Okay, so that was 20. And... What you want to do if you read this back or listen to this back is give yourself one point for each true answer. If you get a 10 or higher, it means this is an area of strength for your marriage. You have a fairly detailed map of your spouse's everyday life, hopes, fears, and dreams. You know what makes your spouse tick. Now, if you scored below a 10, meaning you got less than 10, less than 10 were true, your marriage could stand some improvements in this area. Perhaps you never had the time or tools to really get to know each other. Or perhaps your love maps have become outdated as your lives have changed over the years. In either case, by taking the time to learn more about your spouse now, you'll find your relationship becomes stronger. This is important to keep in mind, too, that you and your partner will change as time goes on, right? Like you will, you may know, you may think you have the answers to some of those questions, But I want you to think about, all right, how recent was that? Like, were those her three favorite movies when we got married 20 years ago? Or are they her three favorite movies now? And you got to be honest with yourself there. Because I know there's a lot of you who may be thinking, oh, yeah, I know all this. But do you really? Like, do you really? Is it updated, that information in your head? Um, Because this is a really good, this will give you a really good understanding of whether or not you really understand your partner and how connected you actually are with your partner right now on a deep-rooted friendship level. Because if you look back, these questions or these statements are things that your, your best friend would probably know about you, right? So this, as Gottman said, you can't just take a sex manual and read it and dive into the sex part of your life If your friendship and your connection on a basic level is not there, it just will not make sense. This is why a lot of women feel sexually used because, and the guys don't understand it. And it's because for the most part, women don't feel connected. Your woman doesn't feel connected to you. So if there's no friendship connection and you're hyper sexual trying to make sex happen, she's going to feel like, you're not really doing this cause you wanna be with me. You're doing this cause you wanna jerk off in me or using me, my body. You, you gotta be honest with whether or not that, that deep connection is, is truly there right now. Because there are things, you know, you could use the love maps to, to enhance it, to improve it. And if you don't know the, if most of these statements were false, then you have some great questions to ask your partner. I mean, the the next exercise that he gives for the love maps is is 60 different questions that you can ask each other, and this could be like a fun game you do together, just asking each other questions so that you get to know each other on a current level, and you have a better understanding. And you're really going to feel better. Like, I can't see... Either of you feeling worse about each other by asking these types of questions. You know, it's basically like, hey, let me get to know you again. Hey, let's go back to when we first met and we were learning about each other. We forget that that's the most exciting part of the, like, that's part of the excitement of the honeymoon phase is the novelty, is the newness of like, Oh my God, I don't know so much about this person. This is so exciting. There's so much to learn. And then we assume that we know them inside and out years later, but we forget that we also change, right? So there is a certain amount of stability. Like you, you know their values, you know them as a person overall, because that's why you fell in love with them. But there, there might be, I mean, there always are little things that change. Like they're, um, Like maybe their taste in movies changed a little bit or they have new favorite movies or they have new music that they love because they just recently found the artist. So you can book a concert and go together that you'll really enjoy. Like, you know, like the little things that change, we can keep an eye out on those so that there is still novelty while also still security. Anyway, I think the, the love maps is a really good first step and maybe I'll dive into the other principles as I read them in future episodes if you guys like it and if you want that. And don't forget, guys, I am hosting a healthy masturbation masterclass on January 11th. So the link for that will also be in the description of this episode. I hope you join. I will be talking about what it looks like for you to have a healthy masturbation routine that feels really good for you so that there's no shame in your masturbation um, so that you're doing it in a way that will actually help your sex life with your partner and with yourself instead of hurt it. Because believe it or not, a lot of you guys are masturbating in a way that's that's actually disconnecting you from your partner um, emotionally and also making sex more difficult physically. That masterclass is once again on January 11th. I hope you're there. And even if you can't make it live, you can submit your questions and also get the recording so that you still have access to the training. Other than that, guys, happy new year. It has been crazy year for me at least. <laughs> um, and I hope that you take some time to reflect on the last year and not, not just reflect on what didn't get done, right? Because I think that's where a lot of us tend to go, but to also reflect on the things you've learned. Even if you're relationship or sex life feels like it's not in the place where you want to be, what did you learn this year about yourself or about your partner? You know, I have I have clients or past clients who are divorcing because they finally realized that they have tried everything and they know what they want and they know they don't want to be in a sexless relationship for the rest of their lives. So they're they're leaving it and they're doing what's best for them. You know, I have clients who are having more sex than they've ever had in their relationships and they're absolutely loving that. And then there's clients who feel like they're still sort of stuck, right? And I shouldn't even say clients. There are men who reach out to me every day with these these situations. And I wanna even say, and then there's guys who have trouble getting into a relationship. And no matter what situation you're in, there are there is growth. There is a way to look at it where it's like, all right, did I handle, you know, my, how have I been handling conflict? Like, has that improved? How have I been handling my reactions to rejection? Has that improved? How have I been handling um, the way I talk to myself? Has that improved? There are so many things we can look at to gauge what we've actually been intentional with this last year. And you want to give yourself credit for that. I know, you know, I've been guilty of... Um yesterday I did a an exercise called the Wheel of Life and it is this exercise where you draw a wheel with nine different areas on it and it entails body, mind, soul, romance, family, friends, growth, money, mission. And what you do is you draw a circle, it's like a pie chart, and you give each one a number 1 to 10. Where you feel you were for the last year, or wherever you are in your life, you don't have to do this every year. You could do it whenever, and you look at the lowest points, the lowest one or two, and then you ask yourself, "All right, what what action can I take uh, moving forward to improve this low, this low rating here?" And one of mine, my lowest ones, my lowest ones were body and growth, and Body was lowest because of all the health issues I've been dealing with this year and body insecurities I've been dealing with um, and still dealing with. So I rated that one low because it's just felt like the biggest challenge. Um, And then I also rated growth low. And then I went to bed because I did this last night. And early this morning, actually at night as I was falling asleep, I had this thought where I'm like, my my best self talking to me, you know, I was like, Steph, why'd you rate growth so low? And, And my answer to that is because my business didn't really grow this year. And then the voice was like, okay, so growth only has to do with your business. And I was like, oh, wow, no, that's not true. And it made me rethink my rating. And I was like, wow, that's really not fair that I... You know, told myself, "Oh, you have to rate this one really low because your business didn't grow in terms of finances," or, and it still did, just wasn't where I wanted it to go. I just had a moment of realizing how hard I was on myself, and I was like, "Wow, you've grown in so many ways. Like you went and got a surgery because of how much you've grown and what you've what you were willing to do to get yourself in a healthy place because you loved yourself." I got a ton of dental work done. Um, that I have been avoiding for years, that I was afraid to go get done. Like there, I've really worked on my relationship a lot and I, I learned a lot from Andrew and about myself this year. And I, I still managed to grow my business financially. I've been growing my mindset in handling these major issues I've been facing with my body and my health. There actually has been a shit ton of growth this year. And that was such an, an eye-opener, um, a literal eye-opener. I couldn't sleep for a little bit because I was like, oh my God, I have to go and change my rating. <laughs> but it was nice to have that reflection and feel like I could give myself credit in so many ways that I've grown instead of feeling like, oh, you didn't get where you wanted to be, so shame on you or this is bad. And um, at least that's how I was uh, talking to myself when I did the rating. So anyway, it it just, I wanted to share that with you because I'm sure there's a lot of you who are just focused on, oh, well, I still have this problem. And it's like, okay, like we all still face problems and sometimes it does take over a year to get out of a problem, but we have to give ourselves credit for the little things we're doing that move us at least a little bit along the way of progress and towards where we wanna be. Because if you're not crediting yourself for that, You're keeping yourself stuck in this loop of talking down to yourself, of feeling guilty or bad or shameful when you don't have to. And that's actually hurting your progress a lot. Just remember to acknowledge yourself this year for the ways that you've grown, even in the slightest. And I'm sure you'll be able to find some and then you'll you'll feel better. You will. So. That's it, guys. I wish you a beautiful, happy new year. Um, I really appreciate you listening, listening in, and I hope this is helping you in your life and your relationships. Have an amazing morning, evening, or night, wherever you are in the world, and I'll talk to you soon. I hope this episode helped you. If it did, I would love for you to leave me an iTunes review. It would mean the world to me. You can also screenshot your favorite episodes and tag me on Instagram at Steph Ganowski. And before I go, remember, your sex life is as good as you make it out to be. Until next time.